guys, and welcome to a new episode of The Day With. If you like cars or you just want to hear about Tesla, you've come to the right place. Today I'm speaking with Oscar Paez, who is based out of Toronto and is a senior project engineer for Tesla. I met Oscar back at engineering school. We both started industrial engineering together and kept in touch over the years after graduating. I would see him moving to Canada, then traveling across the US, sometimes visiting China for a few months. And I've always wondered about his job because he was living this really cool business life around the world. So I'm really happy when we got a chance to properly catch up and hear about his story and get to know more about the automotive industry. So I invited Oscar today. Hi, Oscar. Welcome to A Day With. How are you? Hey, Paul. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm super excited to do this. I have no idea about cars. so uh, <laughs> We can learn a little bit today. Yes, exactly. And all this industry seems so exciting, especially Tesla. The first time I think I went into a Tesla car was in Germany and literally feels like you're in the future. Spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, like a spaceship. <laughs> I know. Straight up. <laughs> this was like five years ago where maybe this wasn't like a thing. I know a lot of people now are like, oh, I want to buy a Tesla for like a car, but like maybe five, seven years ago, it wasn't like as popular as now. So yeah, right. definitely was like a cool experience. And I'm so happy that we reconnected. You're working for Tesla. So I wanted to start with your background story because like I said, we're both from Colombia and you moved to Toronto when you were super young. Many people who are listening to this podcast are either graduating from university, they don't know what to do, you know, with their lives, or yeah. maybe they're moving around doing some We've all been there, yeah. exchanges, exactly. So-, so I moved to Toronto when I was 18, so pretty young. Legal drinking age here is 19, so that kind of sucked a little bit. But yeah, I moved when I was 18, and I went, you know, straight into uh, student residence. Uh, it was a very, very extreme change in my life. You know, going from like never really speaking English to like a full time, you know, there was no in between. It was basically just hit the ground running. Moved straight to Toronto uh, where I studied business in a college, which was also a new experience too, because, you know, coming from a university back in Colombia, very demanding, as you know, industrial engineering in our university was very demanding. Yes, yeah, so I have um, no idea how I graduated. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean either. I don't know. It's, it's tough. So coming into the college was also an experience. But yeah, I was, it was, I was 18, very spoiled, very, I didn't know much about life. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience. In Spanish, uh, we say mama's hotel because... Yes, know, right. Yeah. everything for us. So you arrived to Toronto. So you told me that the day you got there, you actually had this crazy experience at the airport? Yeah, so it was actually very funny because, uh, you know, one of the bigger reasons why I moved out like I moved yeah, out of Colombia, it's because of uh, safety, you know, better future and all of that. And uh, yeah, my very first experience in Canada was um, actually being at the airport and forgetting a little folder where I had all of the important stuff, passport, money, like all of my documents, like this little thing that my mom actually gave me for all the important stuff. So you don't so, lose it. <laughs> so I don't lose it. Exactly. Keep it all together. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Oh my God. I, so in my head, I'm like, okay, that's gone for sure. You know, if this was Colombia, it would have been gone. Long <laughs> you already ago. picture yourself going to the embassies and it's a Yes. And oh my that God, was I like know. two days before you, like you need those papers to do everything in a new country. Yeah. Like have a bank account. Like just to get into the residence, I needed that, you know, yeah. the letter of acceptance, all of that. This is, this is 2013. So not everything was as digital either. So I needed to 
I have my letter so I can like go into the residence. Oh my God. So I started running and to my surprise, I was completely in awe. I said, you know, it's probably gone. And I look at the chair as I'm running. It's right where I left it, untouched. I'm like, wow, that blew my mind. I'm like, this is where I need to be. This is my country. <laughs> yeah, you do not leave something in a airport chair in Colombia and then come back a few hours later and it's there. That would never happen. Oh, my God. So. No. Oh, yeah. It'd be long gone. <laughs> long gone. So you started to leave there. And then after business school, what got you into the automotive industry? Okay, so the automotive industry, I would say I've always been a bit of a gearhead. You know, I've always liked cars. And as you were saying, when you graduate, you don't really know what to do, where to go. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough that because of my good standing with the school, the college actually uh, helped me get this like internship uh, at this local manufacturing company, very random. And at the time, I didn't have anything else. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Like right away, I'm like, sure. <laughs> well, I don't care what they do, like full-time opportunity, I'm going right in. So yeah. actually, I started unpaid for a month. <laughs> <laughs> Those so <laughs> I know unpaid intern for a month, hoping, you know, I get hired full time. So I already worked my ass off. I was like, right on it. Um, Good for you. That's and it was, the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, and you know, like us Colombians, I think us Colombians, the Latinos are very hardworking in my opinion, especially when you're abroad, you really want to excel and, you know, um, yeah. So that's how I got into it. And that was my very first experience at this local company. A little bit of a background, sorry, quick background from history from the company. It was uh, founded by a Japanese guy, actually, that moved to Toronto years ago. So his Japanese ties were very strong. He came from Honda. He was a Honda tool maker in Japan, moved here and started his own company as a tool and die maker. That was basically it. So main customers were, of course, Japanese. So Honda, Toyota, very strong ties with Honda, especially. And the company specialized in uh, seats. So whatever goes inside the foam of the seats in the car is what we made. So we made the back frame where you actually, you know, put your bum on, the recliners, the whole thing. Like everything metal that goes inside made of steel is what we made. It's funny because I would think that every different car and every different brand, most of them are using the same suppliers, right? So it's like... What are the differences oh, yeah. between buying a Toyota and, a, you know, like... I know. Yeah, I, I learned that uh, very quickly, actually, how, uh, you know, for these cars to be so affordable, there's actually a lot of repetition. Um, in between models, for sure. So like Honda Civic, Honda CRV, they'll have pretty similar components, surprisingly. Not, not all. There's obviously some differences, but uh, a lot of very similar components and then if you compare a seat from Honda and a seat from Toyota for sure they're different but the components the little you know inserts and the little uh, fittings the plastics they're very similar yeah. like in shape they might be different from Honda to Toyota but they're the same thing like they're you so the concept it's a chair <laughs> is very is a, it's just a seat yeah it's just the same like such similar seats um, so especially you- for like after this internship, what was your role? Because you stayed in this company for a while, right? So yeah, what would you start doing as like an engineer there? Yeah, yeah. So at first I started as a production planner because that was my, uh, you know, college program. It was purchasing and supply chain management. So I was planning the production based on 
the order from the customer, basically. So Long story short. For dummies, what does that mean? Yeah. So imagine, you know, Honda has a number of cars they're going to make today. Let's say 700, 800. So they make a release, which is an order to all of their suppliers. And that falls down the chain. Uh, it's called tier one, tier two, tier three, and so on. So if you supply to Honda directly, you're a tier one. If you supply to a tier one, you're a tier two, and so on, right? Yeah. So they say, I need, I'm, I'm going to make, you know, 800 vehicles today. So they send the release out and that just rains down on the supply chain. And based on that, you make your production. So you know you need this amount of parts for, for Honda and like this amount of, um, like your, you have your quantities, your part numbers. And basically my, my role was grabbing those releases and those forecasts and planning the production of the manufacturing plants for the day. That was my first job. Got it. And then what did you end up doing at that company? Because you started traveling with that. That's when I, I guess one time we connected on LinkedIn and you were like, yeah, because I was in Asia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I started as a planner, but very quickly I, um, you know, I got promoted into the project manager role, uh, mainly because, you know, I did very well. And secondly, also because I had my engineering background, right? Everyone knew I was an engineer back home, but never could really uh, at the time, I guess degrees from Columbia weren't as recognized. So that's why I had to get a program here and whatever, start my, my professional career. But um, yeah, so six months, seven months in, I got promoting the project uh, management, which in this industry, basically what, what I did was uh, new model development. So they're making, you know, the next model Civic for 2028. They send the model and we start prototyping it. We start, you know, how feasible is it? Um, can we use parts from the previous model? So share parts that carry over to models, like that. which happens a lot. For you at that point, like someone or a designer had this amazing idea and they could like dream about like this in the car and then they would like give it over to you and you would be kind of like, the bad guy that says this is feasible this is not possible like we're this yeah. is also like i guess you would run into costs and you know manufacturing mm -hmm. possibilities exactly. so you're like cutting everything up to a realistic point. yeah like, this is what we're doing this is what we're not doing for sure there's always that you know that designer had they'll have great ideas and all these like amazing designs but is it manufacturable is it feasible maybe not right I mean, a lot of the times like Dude, you can't do that. <laughs> it's not and possible. At, and at that point, were you doing this innovations for which type of clients? That so as I said, that you know the the main client base was Honda. So a lot of it was for Honda cars. But as I moved into the project management position, actually my first project that was given to me to like manage fully and like own was a Tesla business, which was so crazy. <laughs> it was I like destiny, right? It was planning, yeah. From the early days, you you were working for oh, Tesla yeah. as a client. Now you're in house, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, I want you to share maybe a little bit of that experience traveling to China and being so young in this industry because we don't yeah. know this. Even with Tesla being so like forward thinking, the automotive industry is very like old school. Like 
the oh, yeah. people that work there are a typical maybe guys that have been in this industry for 50 years you know so like you were the younger Easy. guy talking oh about, yeah like stakeholders <laughs> yeah you're, you're totally right the automotive industry is very old in the sense that you know a lot of old guys work in it <laughs> that's really? basically it what's wrong with yeah. that like where are the I, women <laughs> I, I know right um but yeah so my my traveling started when i became not right away when i became a pm but a little bit later as i gained i guess some seniority so as i started you know delivering programs successfully on time within the budget and all of this, uh, I got the opportunity to start traveling. So my first business trips were to the States to see Toyota, to see Honda, and basically just, uh, you know, talk about the program, launch the program. Maybe there was an issue, I would go and visit them to kind of like show support and be there and explain what happened. And then it escalated to, you know, we did really well, me and my team, we did amazing in those trips. So then they realized I had, you know, like maybe it was a a people's person. Uh, I was good at solving problems, you know, like on the spot, they put me on the spot and I'd like have a cool head and like manage it, even though I was so young, right? Like 20, 30 years younger than all of my colleagues and all of my clients as well. So uh, after the States, um, I think the first time they sent me to China was uh, maybe two years after I became a PM. And at that time, I was actually visiting suppliers. So the other side of the coin, right? So they were supplying to us. We were building these tools that basically they're stamping tools that actually make the part. They form the steel just so they, you know, it becomes the part, like shapes the steel to a certain shape. So I went to China and that was an amazing experience. I think that's when we kind of like connected for a little bit. Uh, That was an amazing experience. I I learned so much, uh, not only from the industry, but I, I learned so much about, you know, China, their culture, and really the whole supply chain, how it goes down to the, the little nut, the little screw you use a hundred, one thousand times in your car. Like, where does it come from? Like from a sh- corner shop in China. That's where it comes wow. from. Are those manufacturing places it's like huge? As you're talking, I'm imagining like the infrastructure being insane. like a massive factory. Yeah. So there are big and there are small. There is everything, right? Uh, there are shops, there are tiny shops. And but they have people that literally will work 24-7, nonstop, nonstop, especially in China. Yeah. Uh, and this is why we can't compete with them, right? How? How could you? <laughs> and then there's also big, big companies as well, you know, massive factories in China, full of people, uh, so hardworking, like nonstop. It's it's really fascinating. I wanna emphasize how even if you didn't really know this was your the thing you were going to do for over the years when you get when they gave you a six month internship you like were working really hard and then like uh as a project manager you were also kind of like giving that extra mile because it's not normal to go from the supplier to your client and so tesla was one of your right. clients at that point and now you're working for them so tell us a little bit of how that happened and how and what you do now at tesla um so yeah my transition to tesla was very interesting uh another thing you know, Tesla didn't just fall on my lap. It just, it didn't just like miraculously just one day we're like, oh, want to work for Tesla? Yeah, great. No, <laughs> that doesn't happen either. So yes, you got to be patient, but you have to be resilient. Cannot stop looking, cannot stop hustling, trying. And here's a great example. I joined Tesla after four years of interviewing with them. Four long years. Uh, so I think I told you this little story, but the first time I interviewed with them was in 2017. And I actually went through the interview process. I had like three interviews. They were, they were all successful. The manager wanted me there. This was for a job in California. 
So it was like the dream, right? I'm in Toronto. They want to fly me to California, start working at the Giga factory there, like next to Elon. Like it's crazy. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God. Class living so, in California. I would love that. I know. Can you imagine? Um, and the reason why I didn't get that was because of my immigration status at the time. I was a Colombian immigrant working at Toronto internationally. I was, I was not a resident or a citizen, which I am now. Yeah. And for me, for them to fly me to the States, then get me a visa. How's that going to work with Canada and Colombia? Like, it was just messy. And at the time, they told me, you know what? We love you. We really want you here. But at this point, we can't afford. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a lot of confusion. So much easier to just hire, you know, someone guys that's on the street. Someone that works. Exactly. Exactly. So that was really disappointing. And, you know, he brought me down for a little bit, not going to lie. But, you know, I, I never stopped. After that, I, I interviewed, as I said, for an extra four years. Wow. Um, until just now in, in January when I had another opportunity. There was this, uh, for those who don't know, Tesla just, just started their presence in Canada, in Richmond Hill in Ontario, close to Toronto. And first time they're here, like, um, they have some offices and some things, but this is the first like R&D manufacturing Tesla plant in Canada is the first one. Uh, so when I heard that, obviously, I jumped off my seat. I'm like, I got to get on this now. <laughs> and even then, it took me a year to get in. They bought it in 2019 and at the end of it. And I got in, you know, beginning of 2021. So more than a year. It's um, insane. Cause, and I, I love to hear that because we always hear the success stories. And people are like, oh, no, if you work hard, you'll get there. I mean, yes, but it's not like that. It's not like there's a formula you work hard and you keep yeah. getting no's, even if you're working hard. So it's like, yeah, I, I love that you're sharing this. And now you're a senior project engineer at Tesla. I have no idea what you do. So explain to me like super simple from beginning to end, like an example of okay. what does that entail? Yeah. So Tesla Toronto, which is the company, Tesla Toronto Automation is actually the name. It's very young, as I told you, about a year. So it's growing exponentially. Like we want to become, you know, a gigafactory kind of size, like massive. But that takes time, takes resources, takes people, etc. So the main reason they hired, like the main objective of hiring a person like me was to be a mediator. <laughs> and I know it sounds funny, but basically the main chunk of my work is to mediate between engineering PhDs, like PN people, super smart designers that are great at designing, super, you know, good at development and, in, and innovation and all of this, and the business side. Right now, there's this, there was this huge disconnect where, you know, these guys just want to design and make the best design ever for the machines they're building. And these other guys have timelines to meet for Elon, like literally. Yeah. Right. They got to report to Elon when the machines are going to be ready. And these designers take their sweet time. They make the change. You know, they, they, they build half the machine. They're like, okay, I'm going to change the entire machine. They're like from zero. And everyone's like, dude, what? you can't do that. <laughs> There's a car that needs to go out tomorrow. Exactly. Like, we need this machine in California today, like yesterday. What are you doing? So anyway, there was this huge disconnect. And they I were imagine the designers, like, we want this car to fly and has a lot. Oh, yeah. They're making the very best design, right? But that's what you want, too, as a designer. You want your design to be great. And if there's a way to improve it, you improve it and you make it better, right? Like, that is, that is the, the, the fundamentals of uh, design. So anyway, so this 
that's basically what I do. I I mean, I am an engineer, so I know all about design, all about engineering. And I'm, I was a program manager for more than five years. So I understand the timelines. I understand the rush. I understand the pressure. So I'm in the middle. I'm them in the middle. And I deal with them so they don't get too flustered. And I deal with those other people, like basically California people, Elon, all them, to like keep them happy too. So I'm like, you're the Kinda Switzerland like of Tesla. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to keep everyone happy. I want everyone to be okay. <laughs> All right. So this is interesting. So they do the innovation. How does that testing work? Do you like have a couple of models going to manufacturing? Do you like 10 at the same time? Or I mean, I'm curious if like... Okay, so let's... just for a bit of context, what we built at Tesla Toronto is a machinery uh, so modules of automation that will then go to a gigafactory in California, Texas, Berlin, wherever it might be, Austin, to produce cells. So we're producing the battery cells that then go on the cars. So basically the heart of the car, right? Like yeah. One of the most important Why parts. Why you buy Tesla, exactly. Exactly. It's because of this. So we are constantly innovating. We're constantly trying to make better cells, faster, cheaper. You know, so our designs for these machines yeah, sure. We we have, I think, one or two generations by now, but we're constantly upgrading. And that's the ask from Elon as well, right? Why? What's the main challenge right now? Let's say, yeah, what's what you're well, trying to improve from the current cells? You know, the lines that make these cells, uh, basically, you know, uh, right now there is there is a, a version of them in California. Elon actually uh, talked about this in Battery Day last year. So the ask from them is... Uh, we want to make our own batteries so we can stop buying from, you know, Panasonic, Energizer, whoever. And we want these, these batteries to be great, to be new, to be sustainable, obviously, because that's our mission, and to be good for our car, fit our car purposes. So there's a lot of design that goes into, like, how is it going to fit how many in the car? So you've got to be very exact, very, like, dimensionally. The, the dimensionally, it has to be perfect. And why we're constantly upgrading is because, well, we want better output. We want more sales in less time. And we want, you know, this constant, this constant innovation of, sure, this line that you made for us is great, but for Austin and Berlin, I want a better line. So that's the challenge to Tesla Tron. How can you make this line better, faster, cheaper, better sales, you know, less waste, less bad parts, all of this. Oh my gosh. And as demand is increasing, yeah, obviously, you need exactly. like, always to keep improving because in a few years, everyone will have a Tesla in, in the U.S. So, yeah, yeah you keep oh, yeah, very soon. And yeah, so- yeah. And not only Tesla, because, you know, these batteries are great batteries. Like, honestly, they, they're thinking about even selling them to other people for other stuff. Just sell, selling the battery. Watch out if you're Panasonic or any other <laughs> manufacturer. <laughs> the, the yeah. competition is real. They're in trouble. They're in trouble for sure. <laughs> And so if you had to pick one, what would be your uh, main or biggest challenge? You know, the one that you go to work and you're like, oh, my God, this again, it's, you know, giving you a headache. Yeah, challenges. Um, definitely, like, meeting this unrealistic Elon date, like, timelines. Because <laughs> he, he said, like, okay, let's do this. And I want them in March. And it's like, but obviously, he's just putting pressure, right? So can we just trying say to how you're like talking about Elon, like in first? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I I absolutely love it. I mean, how is it? Tell me a little bit about him. Is it like crazy? Yeah, 
you know, as I said, like the pressure is, is real. Just, I mean, you got to be crazy to change the world. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone at, at Tesla, we're all, I think, a little bit crazy. But yeah, there's pressure, uh, a moving target. You think you know where you're going. And then one day, like, well, we're going to want more. And that's your challenge. Bye. Like, that's it. Two words. Like, I want this faster. That's it. That's the asking from there, which is like rains down on all of us. And we have to make it happen. Okay, so we, I mean, I love that. So, so your biggest challenge is meeting kind of this crazy maybe thoughts or ideas and deadlines that he has. Yeah. But, and then on the other side of the coin, what's your favorite thing about your job? Yeah, I think honestly, I believe in Tesla's mission. I do, uh, you know, changing the world, uh, accelerate. For those who don't, those of you who don't know, uh, you know, the mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. That's our motto. You know, changing the world to a sustainable energy world. That's basically it. And I believe in it, you know. Um, I do believe we have an environmental problem. Uh, it's not sustainable. And we got to do something about it. So the fact that I believe in this and I work towards that, uh, it just makes it easier, you know, for these crazy days when I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm working like crazy, you know, like no peas. I'm, I'm in the office until late and I'm like, that helps me be like, okay, but you know what? I'm helping this great mission and this great uh, like objective. I'm doing like you guys are literally changing the world. Uh, yeah, I believe that. And if you believe that, it just makes it that much easier. I was doing, uh, I think, one of the episodes with a CEO here, and, and he was talking about Elon, about how he's kind of this messiah, that it's really truly been one of the few people that has opened our eyes about, you know, how we should be as human beings living on this planet when, you know, he's your boss or, you know, <laughs> it, it gives a meaning to, to whatever you're doing. Um, yeah. How is it working there at Tesla? I've heard about the, when you're starting your job and the HR process is not like your regular term and conditions like of other firms where you're like you have x amount of pto like vacation days or etc or for anyone listening yeah. that wants to apply for tesla and they want to yeah. like work for tesla what should they expect about the culture you know we've heard about google being fun and being like you know mountain view type of gigs how would you describe the culture at tesla well uh, first of all, you know, very different from Google. <laughs> uh, st starting because, you know, Google is a service, so you can do it. You know, most people are right now with COVID probably working from home. Uh, you can do it from anywhere as long as you have Wi-Fi and connection. Uh, Tesla, you could, if you're doing certain, I guess, support duties, uh, you know, HR, things like that, or uh, recruiting, I should say. Uh, but, you know, when you're manufacturing cars, you can't manufacture a car from home. <laughs> So you got to be here. You got to be here. Uh, so different in that sense. Um, definitely the culture is, is nice in the sense that, you know, the offices are nice. There's Tesla is a, it's a big company with a lot of money. We know that Elon is, you know, the richest guy or the second richest guy in the yeah. world. So there is money, there's resources, but, but everybody, listen, it's a lot of work. It's not just going there and having fun and leaving at 4.30. No. That does not happen at Tesla, does not. And it all comes from above. Like I'm telling you how like we get expectations from Elon because he's very involved. Like he's not like a guy just sitting in the Bahamas letting Tesla run, no. This guy's on it, he's on it, on. he's on everybody because he cares and he 
you know, you probably heard rumors about him sleeping in the plant. That's all true. Yes, in I've heard that, that he has like a, an office where he would sleep at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like in 20, I think, 18, there was this uh, really bad time for Tesla because of uh, Model 3 production issues. Uh, he had to lay off a bunch of people and he was working the line, the pain line. He, that gives you a very good idea of what Tesla, the culture of Tesla is that. It's like Tesla, you, you breathe Tesla, you think Tesla, you eat Tesla, everything's Tesla. It's like yeah. those type of jobs that people think it's cool because you have unlimited amount of vacation days and no exactly. uh, time to come in, no time to go out. But that doesn't mean it's because you are taking more days off. It's like maybe people are barely taking holidays and yeah, barely getting out of work. Um, yeah, yeah, so. for sure. You, you gotta you gotta be able to manage yourself for every, anybody who wants to join. You know, you gotta be able to manage yourself and be accountable. No free riders. Uh, everyone notices when there's a free free rider, and they don't last. As I said, and yeah, super cool. You work at Tesla, yeah, but you know, pros and cons. It's not all flowers and all dandy stuff. What do you think that it's something that on the interview process, other than the skills, obviously for a certain role, they look for something in common that says like this ticks the box that this person would mm -hmm. fit in our company? Definitely, as I said, uh, Tesla fan, like they'll ask you things about, oh, did you see Tesla's latest release yesterday for Model S? And if you're not on the ball, you're going to say like, well, this guy doesn't know it. So again, like just very... Breathe Tesla, think Tesla, the whole thing. That's one thing for sure. Being able to work, as I said, uh, autonomously, like the cars, they drive autonomously. <laughs> so just, uh, yeah, being able to, to manage yourself. And I think those are the two biggest, probably. Um, oh, and maybe just, you know, knowing that Tesla requires long hours and they'll pay you, you know, overtime if need be, like whatever, they'll pay you. Money's not the problem, but you gotta be, willing to put in the work exactly do they'll you pay see you well women and tesla that's something i'm wondering <laughs> i do i do a hundred percent i a hundred percent i love how you're saying great. this with a smile finally <laughs> yeah, like, finally you feel like Young a normal women around me definitely way more women and in every aspect like i see women in the project management side which i never did before uh recruiting you know hr i see a lot of that too uh, in, even senior management i hear i hear women being like directors of things it's great i, I think it's yeah. amazing now that you're working uh and you're working with tesla for a while um how do you see the future of cars you know we mm -hmm. were saying just a few minutes ago that cars haven't actually changed that much other than tesla yeah. tesla has been a game changer but how do you see now the future you yeah. know, 2050 how do you see the world moving around that is a great question i think uh Definitely electric, uh, or at least hybrid. Uh, we are not going to survive just burning oil and gas the way we're doing it, uh, for sure. I hope this one, I don't know if it's by 2050. Uh, actually, maybe, I don't know. But uh, autonomous driving is something that Tesla is like a pioneer of, right? Like nobody is even, like not even close to where Tesla is with autonomous driving. Would Tesla, I or I mean, I'm not sure if, if this is like a proper question, but like, is cars their main thing? Or do you think they would maybe expand their know-how into also trains and like mm -hmm. 
like in Japan, the plans are like, you know, in the city, you have this train that like can go up and then on top of the cars and move if yeah. there's cars underneath. It's like insane. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm like definitely thinking about, you know, maybe what if Tesla like opens a little bit more other than cars? Do you think there would be plans for that? Uh, I would think so. Uh, definitely. I know, I know maybe not Tesla, but Elon for sure. Right. Like he's talked about rocket trips where you pay a certain amount and they, you know, they'll literally with a rocket get you to Tokyo in 15 minutes, you know, from like the USA or a couple hours, stuff like that. You know, like what's the, what's the limit? I don't know. I don't know. This guy wants to go to Mars. So, I mean, <laughs> you tell me, right. But yeah, like, he's developing all sorts of cars, like the cyber truck for whoever wants to, the people that like to pick up trucks. There you go. There's your truck. There's a cargo truck as well for transport that's being developed. So even for like, because they say, okay, well, the big trucks that transport goods, yeah, they need gas. Well, no, not anymore. You know, uh, just electricity is just so much cleaner and and so much more powerful too. Huh? Actually, today I don't know if you guys know, but I heard that the new Model S Plaid uh, or Plaid uh, broke the record of uh, fastest land vehicle in the world. Just today, 157 miles per hour in nine seconds or something. Like something Amazing. stupid like that. Yeah. 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 Insane. All right. And then, you know, I, I always ask about a story or an anecdote. You've tell us a little bit, but maybe one story that has marked your professional life at this point. I have one. I have one. It's always <laughs> the same one <laughs> because it's a crazy story. Anybody that works in the automotive industry will understand and they'll agree with me. And you, you said it yourself and it's true. It's kind of crazy, but like exciting at the same time. So fast paced. Uh, so you get like addicted. It's almost like an addiction. Like you like the fast pace. Uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of automotive guys that go elsewhere to a different industry and it's just too slow. Like nothing happens. You know, they make a hundred units a year, a thousand units a year. That's not right. We make five, six, 700 cars a day, oh my God. a day in North America only. Uh, but anyway, so here goes the story. Uh, I was at Kobe, so the first company I worked with. I was already a project manager before becoming senior, and I was actually chasing that senior position. Not to say that this story gave it to me, but it definitely helped uh, because uh, what I did was reckless, and I don't know if I'd do it again, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, those type so, of things that, look like, how did I ever think about that? I look back now, and I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but anyway, so I worked... Uh, my normal, you know, 10 hour shift, or 10, hour, 10 hour day as usual. And then I was ready, you know, packing up, ready to go home. I was almost on my way home. And this whole emergency thing started happening. Uh, you know, the owner of Kobe came, the president, the plant manager, everyone was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So I said, what happened? And they told me, you know, we made a mistake. Uh, something happened with the release, with the numbers, some issue with the system. Basically, what happened is we shipped our customer less than what they ordered. And for that specific part, they had no safety stock. So they were going to shut down. And if they shut down, they would have shut down Honda. So Honda was Honda line was going to shut down for every Honda, like, like the Honda Civic line, which is the one that makes 700 a day or 800 a day. And it was going to shut down for a few hours. And just to put a little bit of context, they will charge you per minute thousands of dollars for a line down situation. Correct. A minute. So, if you, so you guys yeah. as a supplier had something wrong in terms of your deliver, like how many units you gave Honda that would yeah. make them shut down for hours, not only minutes at this point. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay, so we were so looking at you were gonna be dead. <laughs> yeah, we were looking at bankruptcy basically because hours for a company like us, like it would have been thousands, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I don't think we could have taken that. So everyone's freaking out. Everyone is they don't know what to do. So they start calling, they say, Do you know anybody that can travel, like a speed bag? And the, the thing is we have parts. We had them, we had parts, but we shipped, but it was wrong for some it was a system error. So we had the parts right here on our floor. But we needed to get them to Honda in Ohio, which is eight hours from Toronto. We looked, we looked at flights. We looked at private jets. We looked at anything because anything would have been cheaper than hours down of a Honda line. That's how bad it was. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, uh, it was just, just so crazy. There's, you know, the, the owner is freaking out. He's ready, but he's an older guy. He's like, I don't know if I can drive eight hours down get there by 3 a.m. Like it's dangerous, whatever. What do I do? I raise my hand. I'm like, okay, get me a van. I'm going to go. <laughs> so I work for 10 hours. Wait, wait, how many 11. parts are we talking about that were missing for this production line? Uh, we had to give them something up until, so they were going to be down at 3 a.m. of that next day. So it's 5 p.m., 3 a.m. the next day, they were going to be down. And our truck that we had sent, uh, that transport truck, it took a more or less, um 12 hours to get there so they were going to be down from three to five so you just needed some so, some amount to some, feel yeah while the truck arrived okay exactly just to feed the line for two hours until the truck arrived with like thousands of parts so we just needed like maybe a couple hundred not many <sighs> and yeah so it was like so frustrating because we have the parts we could have shipped them thousands the day before but we didn't know right until like the last minute of course so anyway we rent this van and the speed van, and everyone's on it. There's emails back and forth. The president is on the phone with me, uh, whatever. Like, let me know when you get there. Like, there's just so much pressure, right? But I was- I'm glad you had a driver license at this point. Yeah, imagine. Oh my God. Like, and I was exhausted. Like, after a long day, and I had had to drive eight hours in the dark to Ohio. Alone? Um, Did someone come with you, or were you alone on the- No, I was alone, and nobody could come. Well, what that's what they said. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who knows? I'm really, imagining you could. like driving full speed. Um, yeah. You know, drinking coffee throughout the whole night. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I I bought I bought like a six pack of Red Bull. I bought coffee, but I was so tired that really I wasn't sleepy, but I was just tired. So I had to do this like five times during my trip. I had to uh, pull over to the side and put an alarm my phone with that alarm five minutes after all i needed to do was rest my eyes just close my eyes for five minutes i didn't fall asleep i was charged up but just the tiredness i couldn't keep my eyes open because i was so exhausted yeah i did this like five six times like every hour i would just stop close my eyes keep going stop close my eyes keep going oh my god the craziest thing so i'm crossing the border everyone's like speed band that looks so sketchy this Colombian guy <laughs> crossing this <laughs> crossing the border at like midnight because <laughs> he has this urgent delivery. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, I can't believe Imagine the scenario. Imagine that scenario for like a border patrol officer. They're probably like, Yeah. Yeah, come on. Yeah. So they scan the van, they pull me over for extra questions. And, and I knew that. I'm like, obviously, you know, so, oh my God. So I spent like a good hour at the border. So I was so, even later. So I'm like, yeah, oh my God, it's so stressing. 
a good um, um, anecdote for anyone that thinks thinking you know that once you're like a senior project manager or whatever you're oh, like yeah, this fancy so title oh my God, that's so that. great <laughs> <laughs> having your own office whatever amazing it's like no sometimes you gotta step it up and one yeah. for the team that was crazy so anyway i made it right at 3 a.m but then you know I, i didn't go i didn't book a hotel nothing so i, I delivered the parts i'm like okay, now what? You know what? <laughs> i sent the email like okay hey guys just deliver it we're good line is not down good they they say now what <laughs> like in the middle of ohio with like a van i'm like where do i go to calling hotels <laughs> oh my god no Don't tell me you slept in the van. At least get your no, 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 no. I was like, I'm getting a hotel, the most expensive one. I don't care. The company. You need a spa day after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get I'm it super done. proud of you that you know. I know. And then driving back, that was not fun either. But anyway, <laughs> another eight hours back. Oh my god. Just to close down the episode, quick Q&A, first thing that comes into your mind. Uh, let's start with the first one. What's your biggest learning experience from leaving home or maybe the country when you were so young? Oof, okay. Uh, you know, I appreciate what you have once you're there, uh, especially family. You know, being far away, as you know, and all, anybody that has gone elsewhere uh, knows that family is everything. And sometimes you take it for granted when you're there. I think for me, that's the hardest part. Like for me, it's a three-day trip from Singapore to Colombia. And Imagine that. This is such a sad thought that I have, but I'm like, how many, if I see my parents once a year and, you know, I, they have like 20 years left, let's say uh, in their lives, exactly. like I see them 20 times. Yeah. 20 weeks. That's it. Half a year. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's, I want to I know. It's like, uh. Let's buy a ticket and go to Colombia. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's like a ticket anxiety recipe. <laughs> like, oh my God, yeah. Um, and then let's say, what are some qualities of others that you respect or that you admire because maybe you don't have them in yourself that you're always like, oh, that's so cool and this or X person has it? Yeah, um, there is one that actually, I talk about this a lot because sometimes I wish I was more like that and it's being more of a free spirit. Being more of a, you know, Just, hippie. Uh, go with the flow yeah like a hippie <laughs> kind of uh really just more like you know go with the flow maybe you know just back me up and go like quit your job let's go to asia for a year like i could never do that maybe because i'm an engineer maybe because of my you know personal traits but i need to have a plan i need to have a plan what i'm gonna do how's it gonna go like i need to execute this plan engineer plus a project manager like Exactly, Planning timeline, <laughs> budget. Oh my God, I'll go nuts. <laughs> Be more Something spontaneous, I, I think. I mean, I do I nothing say. related to engineering now, but I think the only thing I took from university is exactly that. As an engineer, I feel like you always have, there's like this process thing. I cannot think anything without a process. Like for us, it's like, yeah. what's step one, step two? So, and it yeah. sounds like- Like a silly, flow chart, like a flow, flow chart, chart in your brain. <laughs> So you, ne you would never do like a, a camping hippie type of uh, trip? Uh, I mean, I could, but I have to plan it first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. More like just spontaneous. Like, okay, let's go and pack your bags and go. That would blow my mind. That would be hard for me. Cool. Um, then what's something you're proudest of yourself by, because you said no to recently? Uh, well, in that same note, probably my ex. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> we'll send her this, this episode. 
<laughs> I, I'm proud of uh, not going back to her. You know, I have uh, it's super personal, but I have a record of going back to Exeter. And yeah, I think I'm proud of that. <laughs> Even if it's bad, it's comfortable. So we go back to that comfortable situation that we already know. It's so easy, right? It's easier too. So yeah. yeah, good for you just to move on and 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 yes. be able to say no. Sometimes you do. No, have I said no exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oscar, and who alive or dead would you like to go on a ride or road trip on a Tesla with? Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't want to say Elon because that would be too cliche. Come on, <laughs> um, not Elon, but you know. Um, and you're gonna get emotional again, but I think probably just my family. It would be nice to see them again. It's been a while. COVID really hurt us because you know I couldn't go last Christmas and stuff. So again, going back to appreciate them while you can and when you when when you when you have them around. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's so sweet. If Elon listens to this episode and says, "Well, you know, Oscar, I was inviting you for a road trip, and now, now, then." <laughs> no, exactly. I'm like, ah, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> no, no, of course, family. Great. This has been so nice, and you know, yeah, it's been super fun. I love hearing your story. I think it's so inspiring. Um, love Tesla, of course. Thank you for having me. I feel like after this, you deserve a drink. <laughs> so much. <more. laughs> oh yes. Oh my god, yes, I do. Another drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed the episode and learned a little bit about uh, the automotive industry and everything that goes behind all of this manufacturing. Remember that you can share your thoughts on our Instagram page. It's a day with dot podcast. And subscribe to get all of our episodes every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. So see you next week.